So we left Joshua having given the orders to follow the Ark of the Covenant, but before doing so, to prepare, given the Israelites the order to prepare themselves, to make themselves ready for what God's got in store. So how is this an act of remembrance? Well, as we read on in the passage, we see, we see that once again, not for the first time in their history, the Israelites get faced with a seemingly impassable barrier, the River Jordan. You see, they, they follow the ark. The ark is carried as far as the river. And as they're following this ark, they stop. They see the river. They've prepared themselves for what God's got in store, but suddenly they've arrived at the river at the worst possible time. You see, there's a picture of the River Jordan. And the River Jordan, at certain times of the year, goes from being a fairly unformidable-looking passage of water to filling those floodplains you can see either side. It's prone to flooding. And you can see the, 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 gravel, the gravel banks on either side of the river there. Well, they flood. And when they flood, they become a, a, it becomes a big body of water. You can't walk across it, certainly not carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And the Israelites had another problem, because you see, when they arrived there, it didn't look like this. We're told in verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. So when they've got there, when they've arrived there, it's in the middle of a flood. It doesn't, it doesn't look like this. Imagine that valley full of water. This is a big body of water. This is a big problem. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So, so the water suddenly, once again, just like, just like God had done for, for the Israelites coming out of Egypt years and years before, suddenly they see it happening again. This miracle, this wondrous act of God. The water coming down just, just banks up and is stopped, is held back by an invisible force. The water downstream doesn't suddenly come, come back because there's nothing chasing it. it it's held there. Suddenly, the, the waters are parted once again. And the Israelites can cross over. The passage continues. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. On dry ground, in the middle of a river, in the middle of flood season, they cross over on dry ground. 
And to mark this event, this wondrous moment in the history of Israel, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So in other words... Make a memorial. Go back to where the Ark of the Covenant is being held by the Levitical priests. The middle of the river. The deepest point, the most inaccessible point. The point of the river that even even during times of drought, when there was just a stream, you'd still have had to get your feet wet to get there. On normal days, you'd have had to go wading in. I don't know how deep it would have been, but maybe it was possible to get there. Maybe it wasn't. But during the floods... It was impossible to get to this point in the water. Especially impossible to to be able to, to dive down, to find a great stone, to lift it and to carry it to the side. Make a monument that says this monument is impossible. It's got no right to be here. There is no man man made power or mechanism that can achieve this. Only by supernatural divine intervention can this memorial exist so Joshua is obedient he calls 12 men he sends them down to where the ark is being held in the the middle the center point of the bed of the river they each take a stone and they carry it to the place where the Israelites are due to camp They set up a memorial. Now this is just an example of a a memorial stone. But we know as we travel, if you go down to go to any village in the UK, there there are war memorials. And we've heard today the names, the stories behind some of the names on our own memorial plaque in this church. As we as we go down to maybe up to Yorkshire or down to Cornwall, places like that, we see these ancient stones. There's probably some around here in Norfolk that I haven't discovered yet. These ancient stones that have been put there by, by Romans or, or, or Saxons or, or other, other groups of people. They've been put there for a reason. To mark something, to remember something, to, to make a statement. We will not forget the moment this stone was laid and the purpose for which it was laid. In chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he'd done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we'd crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. 
That was the purpose of this memorial. This memorial is not to to remember a conflict. It was not to remember death and suffering and tragedy and heartbreak and cruelty. This was a memorial to remember the faithfulness of God. This act of remembrance that, that, that God foresaw taking place when children say, why are these stones here? Because the Lord your God is faithful. Today is a day of remembrance when we, we wear poppies. And I can see a lot of people wearing poppies and even some of us who, who don't. We still remember. We still join in the act of remembrance. And the thing with, with the poppy, I remember going to, um, when, I, when I used to work up in, up in London, I went to work one day, and it was the, the Monday morning after the remembrance day, and I still had um, this poppy pinned on the lapel of my coat. And I remember the guy who was running the desk I was working on said, um, oh, you can take that off now, Tom, remembrance is finished. And I thought, no. I didn't say this to him, but I thought, no, no, it hasn't. Remembrance, by its very nature, when we stop remembering, when remembering comes to an end, we don't remember anymore. Remembrance doesn't finish. It doesn't. It shouldn't. But of course, if we just wear a poppy and take it off and forget, even if we just forget temporarily, The grass withers, the flowers fall. Poppies don't last forever. Poppies regrow every year, and Flanders Fields is a sea of poppies, and and we we hear the the very poetic language about all that, and it's, it's great, and it's important, and it's poignant, it's powerful, but but let's not forget the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. So on this day of remembrance, let's make sure that we, we are living memorials, not to a painful, tragic past, but instead to a loyal, faithful, loving God. And that we live lives that share that, that tell that story. When people look at the name graven on us and say, well, what's your story? What's Tom's story? My story is Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. Let me tell you about him. What is the the story that you have? Each and every one of us have a story that we can share, that God has put on our hearts. And we must be prepared to share that. Just as we've, we've heard today the stories behind some of those names, and suddenly that memorial is more than just a, a list of names that mean nothing to us. Suddenly there are, there's a life behind it. It's worth knowing. It's important. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful to Peter for, for sharing that and for putting the work into the research. But each and every one of us we have a story worth sharing because each and every one of us are following God in our lives. And we can lead others to follow him. And even when we get to the point where we look at the flood of chaos before us and we think, no way, I can't do that. Let's just remember, we have a God who can achieve the unachievable. We have a God who performs miracles.
We have a God who, who pushes back the floodwaters and lets his people pass through on dry land. We have a God worth remembering. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this special day, this important day. Father God, we pray for comfort for those who are mourning. Father, we know that there is still conflict going on in the world and we pray for peace. We pray for an end to conflict. Father, we pray for all those for whom this year remembrance has taken on a whole new meaning because they have lost someone dear to them. But Father, we thank you that in the difficulty, the hardship, the often tragic circumstances that we read about and that we hear about in the world, we know that you reign supreme. We know that you endure forever. We know that you love us, that you care for us, that you want nothing more than for us to turn to you and say, Father, Abba, Father, we turn to you, we love you, we cry out to you. We don't seek conflict or vengeance. We seek peace. We seek you. So Father, we thank you that we can remember your love, your grace, your presence in us and around us today and forevermore. Father, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the, the worship band to come up and lead us in another song. And then um, Helen's going to come and lead us in our time of incessory prayer this morning. This is a song which we've only learned, or been learning relatively recently. Um, I hope you'll find the, the words helpful, even if the tune is not yet too familiar to you. Speaking of God being with us in our mourning, sovereign over all, and working for good 